sorry about that guys I don't know why it cut off I'm not gonna be able to do our daily reading tonight but I want to focus on the mass readings today because I think the mass readings are very poignant and I always do this I always talk about you know at least the first reading but I'm also gonna focus on the gospel reading um, but let's talk about the first reading so God is now talking to Job He's, you know, Job is, is asking answers and all these other things. And so, God is finally answering Job. Right? God's finally answering Job. And he says, have you put the dawn in its place? Do you welcome the sunlight? And he's asking him to give an account. And he's trying to teach Job a lesson here. And what is the lesson that he's trying to teach Job? That if God can come, if he can command the smallest things like the rising of the sun the waves the whole earth then he can command job and his infirmities the idea here is god is trying to get job to understand who is bigger is it job is it job that can determine how his course of life should go or is it God? Is it God that determines where our life goes and what direction it will take and what we'll be and what we'll do? That's what God's trying to get Job to understand. Because, as we've said, we remember what the reasoning was for Job's sufferings. Because Satan wanted to see if he would rebuke God. And what happens? Job does not rebuke God. Job does not rebuke God. And he has a steadfast faith, even though he was in the midst of a great suffering. Let's see, he lost his livestock. He lost almost all of his servants. He lost his house. He lost his family. He lost everything. He ended up getting very, very sick. And his friends come over and they start rebuking him. They start saying, why don't you tell God, you know, why, why curse God for these things that he is making them happen to you. But Job says that it is not in rebuking God that we get anywhere. It is in praising God, no matter what storm it may be, that we see our prayers answered. So the entire time that he's dealing with all this stuff, what is he doing? He's praising God, no matter what. Not once does he rebuke. He questions. He questions. Of course, he questions, why does this have to happen to me? But not once does he blame God. Not once does he blame God for what is happening to him. And I think that's such a beautiful testament to Job's faith. Because remember, Job lost everything. And when I'm talking about everything, I mean everything. K 
cattle, servants, houses, kids. He got sick. And, you know, he's all alone. And, you know, his friends come over and it's like, you know, he expects them to be cheering him up. They say, why don't you rebuke God? And he says, you are the worst company ever. You are the worst company ever. Why does he say that? Because even in his suffering, even in his suffering, Job was faithful. Even in his suffering, Job was faithful. And that's really poignant. Because it shows that we need to be faithful as well. I'm sure you guys have heard about how people who will have a, a faith, who will have a, a good, a, a decent faith, will suffer. And then they'll be like, where's God in this? And they'll stop believing in him. Because they don't believe that they should have to suffer. They think that because they're, you know, they're, they have this faith, they have this Christian faith, that they don't have to suffer anymore. That God's going to take all of the suffering away. No, no, my friends. No, no. God does not work that way. I've said it before, and I will say it again. God is not a magician, folks. I'll say it again. God is not a magician. He doesn't, you know, you believe in him and then he takes all your suffering. You don't have to suffer anymore. That's not how God operates. When you are a Christian, when you are a Catholic, you change your lifestyle that it resolves, I mean, revolves around Christ. That it revolves around God. But that does not mean that your suffering will be automatically vanished. And Job points that out beautifully. He had faith. But was that faith enough to keep him from losing his servants? Was that faith enough to keep him from losing his house and his kids and his wife and everything and getting sick? No. What did that faith do then, you ask? That faith proved that no matter what he was dealing with, he still trusted God 100%. And that first reading shows, I was like, how do I give an account? How do I answer you? He says to the Lord in our, in our, our first Mass reading today. I can't answer you. When God shows him how great he is, he is greater than our suffering. I will say it again. He is greater than our suffering. But that does not mean that the suffering is going to go away. God does not guarantee that. He doesn't guarantee that at all. What he guarantees for us is the fact that we will never be alone. Look at all the saints that suffered in their lifetime. St. Francis, Padre Pio, 
the list goes on and on and on of saints that received the stigmata, or they lived in poverty, or they were sick, or they just weren't, you know, they didn't have, you know, they just weren't up with the, with the middle class society. They would be considered poor. Look at all the saints who suffered. What was the common theme with those saints who suffered? They knew God was with them. It wasn't to take away, they, you know, they didn't think he was going to take away their suffering. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. And it is so great to be back. I took a little, a couple, about a week hiatus just to, to freshen up and uh, to get uh, more situated into things. So, uh, first of all, uh, thank you guys. We have two now. We got two likes for the actual Anchor app. And we actually have, I think, five likes for my Facebook page. So, thank you to everybody for getting the word out about this fa- this. Um, endeavor that I'm doing. It is an absolutely amazing thing that I get to do and I love it. I I love it because it's just something so cool that I get to do that I absolutely love. So thank you guys for getting the word out there to people and telling them about this and listening every week. I appreciate it. So when I we last left off, we talked about God and his timing with Job, and we explained what happened with Job and the things that went on. This Now we're going to continue that narrative through the book of Job, and we're going to see exactly how does Job allow uh, give us an example to follow that when we're suffering to not blame God entirely. So that's, that's, that's the narrative here that we're going to follow. The Lord addressed Job out of the storm and said, Have you ever in your lifetime commanded the morning and shown the dawn its place for taking hold of the ends of the earth till the wicked are shaken from its surface? The earth is changed as is clay by the seal and dyed as though it were a garment. But from the wicked the light is withheld and the arm of pride is shattered. Have you entered into the source of the sea or walked about in depths of the abyss? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Or have you seen the gates of darkness? Have you comprehended the breaths of the earth? Tell me if you know all. Which is the way to the dwelling place of light? And where is the abode of darkness? That you may take them to their boundaries and set them on their homeward paths. You know because you were born before them. And the number of your years is great. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am a little account. What can I answer you? I put my hand over my mouth. Though I have spoken once, I will not do so again. Though twice, I will do so no more. Here's your responsorial psalm today. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. O Lord, you have probed me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. My journeys and my rest you scrutinize. With all my ways you are familiar. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Where can I go from your spirit? From your presence where can I flee? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I sink to the netherworld, you are present there. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I settle at the furthest limits of the sea, 
Even there your hand shall guide me, and your right hand hold me fast. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Truly you have formed in my, my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I give you thanks that I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Guide me, Lord, along the everlasting way. Alleluia, alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia, alleluia. Gospel according to St. Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to them, Woe to you, Charzen. Woe to you, Bethesda. For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And as for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will go down to the netherworld. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Gospel according to the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now we'll do our daily reading. Our daily reading actually comes from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10 tonight. Sorry about that, guys. I'm still kind of playing around with um, my headphones here. But I was talking about suffering. We were talking about saints who have suffered. And I was talking about the common theme that they all have. They suffered, and they suffered willingly. That's what Job did in today's reading. He suffered, and he suffered willingly. And what I think we need to never lose sight of is what the saints did. They took their suffering and they added it to that of Christ's passion. They added it to Christ's passion. That's what we need to do. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. But what matters is how do we face those trials? How do we face those tribulations? How do we face the rut that we think that we are in? Do we run from God? Do we run from him and say, I can't deal with this. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Or do we run to him saying, God, I know you're in control of this situation. I know you're in control of this situation. I know you have this situation. So while I might be suffering, I'm going to accept that cross and I'm going to join it to your cross, to your crucifixion, which in itself is perfect. It's hard to do, I know. When somebody expects you to do something like that, it can seem a little overwhelming. It can seem a little overwhelming. But let's not lose sight. Let's not lose sight of what we're talking about here. God is bigger than any problem we could ever face. He 
he is bigger than any problem you could ever face and he will always be bigger than any problem you could ever face now let's go on to our gospel reading because this is going to uh, ruffle some feathers and I know some of my sermons have and for those that still listen thank you I, I appreciate it but my goal here is to speak the truth whether you agree with it or not. So let's talk about the gospel reading. So he's he's just finished talking to a city, the city of Capernaum, the city of Bethsaida, and I think Tyrene or Tyre or something, whatever that city is, I can't pronounce it. And he's saying, Woe to you! Had the miracles that I performed in your city been done at Sidon, they would be answering with repentance. So what's happening is he's done some kind of a sign at these cities, right? And he ha- they, they have rejected him. Because obviously these cities, they must have been sinning somehow. And he's going and preaching and, you know, pretending, turn away from your sins. You know, go toward God, you know, follow his law. And he's not being received very well. The people outright reject him. They outright reject him. And so he's talking about this idea that the things that he's doing in this town, if they were applied to another, they would repent. They would see what he's doing and they would repent. They would be in sackcloth and ashes. And so he's, you know, he's, he's putting a judgment on them. He's saying, look, I'm doing sights that you, in, in your presence, but you refuse to turn away from your wickedness. You refuse to turn away from your wickedness. And to follow my law. To follow God's law. How hard is that? To hear Christ condemning these cities for their wickedness. Usually, we don't hear that in the Gospel reading. Usually, we hear of Christ healing people and forgiving the sins of many. Because that's what he came to do. But also, he came to preach repentance. And so, it's not just about healing the sick. It's a lifestyle change. And he expects us to make that change and to not be in wickedness and to not be in sin and to not be all of these things. And yet, what are we doing as a church? We're doing those things. We're falling into wickedness. We are disregarding anything that Christ has said to us. We're throwing out the window. 
throwing it out the window. So this judgment that comes upon these cities might as well come upon us too. You hear of so many churches, they talk about, oh, how much God loves you and that, you know, you can, you know, do things, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a happy sermon. Mine is not tonight. Mine hits to the matter, to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is we might as well shape up because Christ left us with rules to follow, not for his good, because he doesn't need it. Remember when we were, I was telling you, I was watching uh, Bishop Barron's The Mass, talking about how God doesn't need the sacrifice. He's perfect. He doesn't need it. We're the ones who need the sacrifice. We're the ones that need to be reminded that Christ is truly present among us. That is why the Eucharist is so important. So let's apply that to living God's law, shall we? Let's, let's just apply that for a minute to living God's law. God doesn't need these rules. He doesn't need the Ten Commandments. He's perfect. But we do. We are the ones that need to start living a life that is worthy to be called Christian, that is worthy to be called Catholic. And we need to have more people preaching about sin. We need to have more people talking about the dangers of it. And we need to have more people talking about the reality of sin. We talk about baptism. We talk about confirmation. And we talk about the sacrament of reconciliation. But we have to talk about this thing called concupiscence. And what that, that's just a Catholic term for the fact that we still have to wrestle with sin, with the temptation to sin. Because baptism washes away original sin. But there's still that remnant of sin that we still have to deal with. It's called concupiscence. We do not hear enough about the realities of sin. And Christ is pointing it out to us. He's pointing out what our judgment will be if we do not act in conforming to Him and to the laws He left us. It is not all about, oh, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. That's not what it is. You are saved, but you need to conform yourself to Christ and not put Him in a bubble where he can be whatever you want to be at that moment. Where he can only be involved in certain parts of your life. You do not get to determine what that is. I will say it again. You do not get to determine what parts of your life Christ is involved in. He does. He orders the relationship toward himself. So therefore, if you cut him out of something, you're trying to take control of this other relationship between you and Christ. You cannot save yourself. That's Christ's job, which he's already done. But it is up to us to conform ourselves to the way he is. 
Because as he says, he says, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. What I'm trying to get at, folks, is this idea that we need to be more aware of sin. And we also need to be more open to repentance. That's why the sacrament of reconciliation is so beautiful. And if you're not familiar with the sacrament of reconciliation, I'll give you a, a brief thing. You've probably heard of it. It's where you confess your sins to a priest. And you receive absolution, and he'll give you a penance. And where this comes from in the Bible is Jesus giving Simon Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bound, whoever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What that means is whoever you welcome into your community will be welcomed by God, and whoever you excluded from your community will be excluded by God in heaven so it was up to Simon Peter and the church to make that process of reconciliation happen and it happened over many centuries there were many different forms of the practice of reconciliation and they all evolved to what we have in the present day if you would like to know more I am writing a, a chapter of my book on the subject so you're going to have to wait for that to come out. But this is such a beautiful reminder, I think, for us today. That we need to be ever repentant. We talk a lot about repentance during Lent. Which is rightly so. We think of Lent in preparation for Good Friday. We talk about the, the repent the return. That should be all year, though. Every day, we should be asking ourselves, what have I done to offend God, myself, and the church? It's called an examination of conscience, where you go through, and usually you can do it, there are scripture verses that will prompt your examination of conscience, and there's also the Ten Commandments that will prompt your examination of conscience. Let's see. Let's see. Um... But, you know, there's different ways that you can have your examination of conscience. And you do just that. You think about during your day. What did you do to offend God, most, for, most importantly, yourself, and the church? What did you do? And I, I will close with these, these just, just a few more points. Uh, the main one I want to I, I want to address is the idea that repentance is not a bad thing. Christ calls all of us to repentance. We should strive for that repentance. Number two, if you're unfamiliar with the sacrament of reconciliation and you don't understand it, I highly suggest you do some research on it. Look for yourself. I can tell you all these things about it. But you need to do the research yourself and get an understanding for yourself what it is. Now, the um, reason I'm stopping a little is because today um, would have been my grandmother's 89th birthday. So uh, I uh, dedicate this recording to my grandmother, Margaret Switcherini. 
Uh, she died October 30th of 2015. She's been almost three years now. Um, I miss her every day. She was a remarkable woman who did a lot in her life. She was a faithful Catholic. She just had a heart of gold. So happy birthday in heaven, Grammy. Uh, I miss you every single day. Uh, but I know you're watching over me. But it's very hard. <sighs> I miss you. You keep watching over me. I miss and love you very much. And, um... And, uh, and I just, you know, things, it's just, we miss you down here. But I'm very positive you are having the best birthday in heaven. But it doesn't get any easier. Who really does it? So happy birthday, Grammy. Love you. <clears throat> As always, there are three ways that you can reach me. And there will be a fourth coming up soon. I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. Uh, number one is through the Anchor app. If you have it, uh, leave me a voice message. Uh, number two, through my email. C.S.O.B.E.Y. 2394 at Yahoo.com. I would welcome your comments and your questions. And the third way is through my new Facebook page, which is Catholic Reflections what the mass readings mean for us today uh glad to see that people are starting to like it i think i have three or four likes to that page now slow going slow going for the app as well but i noticed that uh james welsh i believe sorry if i messed your last name up thank you james for supporting the page and liking it and thank you to everyone else who listens even if you're not on the anchor app because i know i'm available on spotify and all those other places so thank you to everybody who listens i love each and every one of you uh, I will try to be on every night, if I can. If not, I, please forgive me. Like I said, I'm not trying to, you know, be a dick or whatever. But things get in the way. So, like I said, thank you guys for listening. I love each and every one of you. And God bless you all. And I hope that, you know, every time that you listen to this, it gives you some kind of hope. It gives you some kind of hope that things will get better. Things have to get better. Because God, if God is for us, who can stand against us? If God is for us, who can stand against us? As always, thank you all for listening to Catholic Reflections. My name is Catherine Baldwin. And as always, good night and God bless you. Bye-bye.